Podcast volume number two, issue number 98. I am DM Vince sitting alone tonight, but I have a special guest for you. A nice little interview with uh, DM Scotty from the Dungeon Master's Craft. Is that am I correct with that, Scotty? Uh, the DM's Craft. I'm uh-huh. sorry, DM's Craft. Oh, well, Dungeon mm-hmm. Master's Craft, so yeah, the abbreviation. Right, right. And it's uh, on YouTube. We're featuring you as a video, uh, I, would, I would say video podcast. I guess it's a video TV show, sort of, because it has a really cool intro now at this point. Right, right. And uh, every week, well, I should say every couple of days, it seems, for a while, you were uh, putting up videos how to craft dungeon tiles and how to do traps and things with just average cardboard laying around the house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to invite you on the show because uh, it's gridless, first of all, and uh, when you play first edition, most people don't use grids or hexes or anything, so it'd be kind of cool to hear your methods and how you came along with this. So you, how did you start playing D&D? Let's start with that. Well, I uh, I started. Probably most of your guests did. I was I was a teenager when I started, and of course it was it was first edition, and um, I played for a while, and then I kind of got out of it, and then I uh, got married and had kids, and then I played with them some, mm-hmm. and um, in the nineties, and then I stopped for a while again. But um, I had some friends at work, and they were like, you know, D and D is so fun. You know, let's we should play again. And I was, you know, we were like, I was like, great, that's a great idea. So of course, I got nominated to be the DM. So, <laughs> yeah. so I started DMing again, and um, I just really loved miniatures, and I wasn't happy with any of the the choices you have for um, choosing. Uh, to represent the dungeon. Like, I don't like dungeon tiles. I don't like the grid on the dungeon tiles. And dungeon tiles seem so, um, like, you don't have much um, choice with them. I mean, you can build certain layouts, but you're really pretty limited in what you can build, Mm. um, unless you have a ton of tiles. And then um, there's kind of the 3D stuff you can do. Um, Some people cast the stuff. But, you know, that takes a lot of time, a lot of money. And I've done rooms that are... You know, two feet by a foot and a half. If you cast that, you know, and and put that on the table, that's going to be like three hundred pounds. I mean, that's a lot of <laughs> casting stuff. Also, you know, you can draw maps, which are okay, but they're just not as cool, you know. So, no. I uh, just came up with this method. Um, the I thought uh, with the cardboard, and I thought, oh, you know, I could just I could just spray it with the uh, with the texture paint, and you know, add details and. Because I don't like the walls either. I, I think the walls on some of the the, the cast terrain, the walls uh, tend to get in the way of the play, and bl- I think and block right. how you can, how well you can see into the into the tile. So I came up with a method of doing the 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 cardboard tiles with the simulated walls, like putting just the cardboard strip as the wall and not an actual wall. Right, it's like a guardrail or something like that, pretty much. Right, exactly. So it gives you the impression that there's a wall there, but there's actually, you know, you can actually see the entire tile. So how did you pick cardboard of all things? You just looked at it and said, wow, this is really cool. Cardboard works with everything or? 
Yeah, I was like, you know, this is, you know, why, you know, why spend a bunch of money, you know, getting foam core and that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Why not just use cardboard? I mean, it works just as well. And if, if you know, you can build any shape you want. And then if you, you know, if, even if, if you don't want to save the tiles, you can just chuck them when you're done. I mean, you know, I do save them. But, uh, you know, if you didn't want to or didn't have the, uh, didn't have the space, you, know, you could just get rid of them because so, they're so dirt cheap to make. Well, yeah, you can make a whole bunch of generic tiles and then just hold them in a box and keep recycling them over and over again. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I, you know, a lot of times I make totally unique dungeons every time that we play. Yeah, so. I, I, I know all you have is cardboard, uh, some spray paint, and uh, a glue gun, which, right, is, which exactly. isn't really that expensive all at all. I know. I, I looked at some glue gun prices here, and some of the basic glue guns go for like $10. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like to use two sizes of glue guns. I like to use the regular size, uh, and then they have a, a, a glue gun called a mini glue gun, mm-hmm. and it's really nice for like doing small details. So, how did you? How did, the first time you put your project together was it a mess? Did it take you a long time, or what's the like? I should say the learning curve. Of, say a new person started doing what you were doing, following your directions. Um, I've had a lot of people send me pictures, mm-hmm. um, of stuff they've done that looks really, really good. And they're like, you know, they're, they'll tell me, they're like, oh, I, you know, I never thought I could do this. And, you know, I saw, I saw your videos and I just started and look what I came up with. And it's just like, well, I'm just like, wow, that's fantastic. And I love it. Cause then I get ideas from other people's, uh, dungeons and crafts that I may not have thought of, or, you know, get inspired also. So it's a pretty easy learning curve if someone just watched your videos. Oh, definitely, definitely. I, I mean, yeah, it's 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 not that hard to learn. It, it's really and the the kind of the goal of it was to get people who may not um, want to craft or think they could actually craft that they that they can say, oh, I can do this too. You know, I could I could have some really cool dungeons for my group and you know inexpensively and quick and and fun. So that That's was my goal. A really neat DIY project uh, for yourself to do. So. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. And it's. And, you know, it really doesn't take that long to do. Right. I like the uh, episode uh, when you started uh, getting into traps, and that was kind of like thinking outside the box. Is that just something that came to you one day and you figured, hey, why not just add a trap to the side? Or, Well, what I, what I do is I like when I think of how I want to represent it um, on the tile or in the game, um, you know, particularly with a trap, I, I, I think of how I should represent it. So, like... Um, the video I just I just released the the players are skirting around um, this walkway that's over this cistern this with murky water in it and there's a part where it collapses but I made like a little piece of cardstock to put over the the pathway when it collapses so that it wouldn't give the the players any idea that that could collapse if you make something that's you know could come off the tile or something or has cracks in it, you know it, or it looks like it pull, could pull out then that gives your players an idea that you know something could happen. So uh, with the spear trap, like you're talking about, yeah, I just crafted those separately um, because I wanted to represent them in the game. For one thing, what happened is um, the spear trap shot out of the side of the of the hallway, and uh, if it hit the person, it would impale them basically on the wall. Right. So not only was it a trap that that trapped the person who got hit, the other players had to try to pull the trap off of the person and get them free and get through because there were enemies on the other side. Hmm. Yeah, I noticed that they were uh, wooden little toothpicks that you pulled out of, um, like a cocktail toothpick, pretty much, and just carved it into a little spears on the wall there. Oh yeah, yeah. I just I just took 
just cut the ends off the, the cocktail sticks, uh, put two strips of cardboard, put them through the corrugation, and then made a little base for it. And that was basically it. I mean. Yeah, and you had the uh, master map on your side to show you where it went. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, yeah. So when they walk past a certain point, boom, there's a trap. Right, right. You know, because you, you don't have grids, so – but, you know, you're the DM. I mean, you know, you, you, know, you know where stuff is, so like you say, you have a map. You have your own map, so. Mm-hmm. Speaking of no grids, I noticed that you also made many little rulers for all the players as well. Yeah, yeah. Which helps uh, when we play first edition because we don't use boxes or squares or hexes or Right, anything. right. But, and uh, pe- and oh. I've had people that are so confused with this concept. It's <laughs> like people are so ingrained with using the grids – yeah. That they're totally confused when you when you they're like they just don't it's like some people just don't get it, like it's like, um, you mean I can move any direction without any kind of movement penalty or anything? Because you know in certain games if you move diagonally you have to pay a couple point you have to pay mm-hmm. you know two squares of movement to move a diagonally again and all that kind of stuff. It's like no, you just move where you want. You know you measure you know in uh you know in later D and D and everything every you know every five feet is an inch so. Um, you know, it's like in a Pathfinder and everything. So, you know, you just measure. You just measure where you want to go. And, yeah, what I did with the sticks is I just got like a quarter-inch um, piece of uh, square dowel or um, wood and then just cut it in links to the, to the character's movement. So if the character could move six inches, I would cut them a six-inch stick. You know, if a character could move five inches, I'd cut them a five-inch stick and then mark it off uh, with the inches so they could – they could, if they, you know, they were going around a corner or something like that. They could, they could tell what how far they went. Have you ever had any players cheat a little bit with those sticks? Because <laughs> I could just see some people like you a know, little bit if ahead. You're do this if you're going to do this kind of thing. Um, you know, you got to be a little bit lenient because it's not an exact science. Yeah. Um, if if it's a, if it's less than a half an inch off, I'll give it to the player. You know, they're a hero. You know, it's like. They should be able. They should, you know. I, I always give them the the benefit of the doubt, you know, because it's not like I say it's not an exact science. So, you know, I give them benefit of the doubt, but they're pretty good about it. And a lot of them, a lot of them, you know, in in the shorter movements, they can just move their character. Like they know, like we all know what a certain movement is, like a couple inches or, you know, whatever. So we don't even have to measure. So a lot of times we're not even measuring. Cool. Yeah. I saw one of the. I haven't finished watching all because you have about thirty something episodes. I think thirty one at this point of this right, recording. Right, right. And I was going through most of them uh, the other day. There's one you were doing a puzzle tra- uh, trap. It looked like. Oh yeah. Explain. Can you explain that one a little bit? How you went through that thought process of making that one up? Yeah, I was like, um, I, I the dungeon I was I was doing seemed to be appropriate to have uh, a couple traps in it. You know, to me, not traps. I mean, not traps. I mean, puzzles. Um, certain dungeons don't dungeons don't really see or layers don't really seem appropriate for puzzles. But this one particularly did. So I wanted to have a couple puzzles, and I have a couple players who are really good at doing puzzles, and some who kind of snooze. But you know, if it's not too long, it's okay. So um, basically, I kind of peruse the internet and just kind of got. That's how I. That's how I ch- tend to start. I kind of peruse the internet and get ideas. Um, I had found one that was kind of similar, a little similar to it, and so it came, kind of gave me the grain of the idea, and then I, and then I worked around that. And then what I thought, what it might be fun to do is when the players enter the room and start the puzzle, I started an actual timer. Mm-hmm. So the doors, 
So basically, I explained that the doors were slowly coming down. The stone doors of the room were slowly coming down as they, as they were in real time. So they had, to, they had a very limited time to figure out this puzzle. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. And uh, how did the players do with that puzzle? Uh, they, did, they, did, they did well. Um, it, uh, the, w- one thing I did, too, was um, I would have, I, they could do intelligence checks to get clues so if they made a certain uh, DC roll, I could give them. I would give them a clue, and they had they had made an intelligence roll, so I gave them like a clue um, that it had to do with um, light and dark kind of thing. So because it had to do with the phases of the sun and then night. Oh, so it, in the in the in the night part, they had to extinguish all light sources, and that was and that would like complete the puzzle. Now with the door sliding down, what I did was. If it got close to the to the puzzle being or to the door shutting and them being entombed in this place forever, huh. I would t- I would you know of course I would tell them as the DM and they would they could get out automatically if they decided to go out. If they waited past a certain point, then they would have to make a check to slide under the door or something. Um, but they but they did it in plenty of time. They didn't have any problem um, doing the time limit. Yeah, I noticed you spent an episode or two building doors as well, which was kind of cool. I never thought about that. Like the double doors and the single dungeon doors and everything. Oh yeah, like you, like you can see, it's like I'll have the tile, but I'll generally have like a three D door. Like I like to have certain three D objects in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've done one on pillars. Um, I mean, the the figures are three D, so you know they're three D representations. So I like to do three D things in the room. I don't like to have the three D walls because it hampers play. Yeah. You know, the smaller the tile, the more it's harder to get in there and move your stuff around. Um. So that's why I don't like to do the walls 3D. But um, everything else, you know, I generally like to do 3D in the tile. Now, let's talk a little bit about your painting techniques. I noticed you use a couple of things like dry brush technique and uh, wet brush. Did you search the Internet? Because I personally, I know nothing about painting. So did you pick these things up from painting minis in the past or did some research on that? Or uh, Yeah, I've, uh, I've been a miniature painter for quite a long time. Um, so I knew these techniques already. Okay. So I knew the I knew the washing technique and the and the dry brushing technique and all that stuff. So, and yeah, if if you're new to this, um, the internet is a great place to find all these. There's tons of videos, tons of information on how to paint miniatures. Um, and I just carried it over to the tiles. I just um, added that whole uh, dry brush and 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 wash technique. Right, you you were spraying it one color and you were spraying another. How'd you figure out the color common? Did that take a while to figure that out, or you just kind of figured, hey, it would work? Why not? Do you mean the texture paint? Yeah, the texture paint and the color. How you got the dungeon that certain color? The musty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Depending on what kind of dungeon I'm doing. So if I'm doing um, a dungeon or a castle or something that's newer, you don't want it to look as grungy. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? But if you're doing like an old dungeon or something or a crypt or something like that, you want to do black – you can do black streaks on the tile with some wash. What, what I like to do is spray um, – it's almost like airbrushing. You spray the black – flat black over the tile, and it darkens up the um, – it darkens up the texture paint. So that's a nice way to make something look grungy or darker. So that's an easy way you can just – you know, from, from kind of a shiny new dungeon, which would, might be a castle that's well-kept – to, you know, like a grimy, you know, old dungeon that's, you know, dirt and blood and all kinds of, you know, stuff in it. 
Yeah, I, I enjoyed, and I also enjoyed you had uh, you went even a step further and did some player handouts, like the uh, the was it, I guess it was the uh, the troll in the woods or was it the knoll in the woods? I yeah, guess. it was this troll in the woods that, it, yeah. that had ripped off this ogre skin because they're, they're my players are uh, running this kingdom, and um, they had met this troll before, and she, they had helped her, and uh, she has a young a youngin, and. Uh, her young got stolen by these uh, this monster kingdom that's gonna was gonna attack the player's kingdom, and um, she wanted their help, so she had ripped the skin off one of these uh, ogres and kind of scrolled out on it uh, like a message to the players. Uh, I love to give player handouts. Um, mm-hmm. it, it it just really uh, adds to the experience, I think. So how many videos do you uh, plan on doing a week if you had the chance? Two or three? Is that all the time you have? Or you'd love to do it every day if you could? Um, yeah, I really, don't have, I really don't have a chance to do it every day. I think people would love me to do it every day because there, there's so many things I still haven't shown yet. I mean, there's just tons of stuff I have that I can show. Um, but um, I try to get at least one a week. That, that really varies. Like this week I got like four videos this week because I had two shorter videos on, I did one on materials and tools. Um, and then I did one on the dungeon tile and I did another one on a, on a craft. So I got, I got a lot in this week cause I'm going to be gone next week. But, um, yeah, I try to do at least one a week and I usually post it on Sunday. Uh, what could we expect in the future to see from, uh, your, your show? Any hints on what you might do next? Yeah, um, I've had some people ask. I have a forum uh, going now. Uh, a, f- a friend of mine started up for me, and it's great because then because people can post things and I can post you know responses or they can post cool stuff. Um, but um, yeah, I want to do some things with um, doing more three D type things because um, I have done. Um, I've actually done cardboard. Um, like hovels and uh, cottages and stuff and use them. And um, I wanted to show that. That's one thing I wanted to move into showing. Mm-hmm. And that's not so bad because they're, they're kind of spread out. You know, they're not all clustered together. If, you, if, if I had a city, I may not do that because it would just be hard to reach in there. But, if, you know, just a random hovel or some huts or something, 3D is not so bad. But one difference I do that a lot of people don't, didn't think of or don't think of when they do the 3d stuff is like, you'll see maybe a hut mm-hmm. and the top will lift off the hut. Right. Right. So you got this little teeny space <laughs> inside that you're trying to reach in there to put stuff in. Well, what I do is I lift the entire hut off. So I've got the tile, the circular tile that represents the hut. Mm-hmm. And then the hut just sits on top of the tile. So when the, when the play moves into the hut, I can just lift the entire hut off. Oh, that's cool. So you're not trying to reach in there in this little teeny hut trying to move stuff around. Yeah. With walls that are, you know, a couple inches, two, three inches tall. Yeah, you got so. your uh, uh, Cheetos hands going in there and <laughs> slipping around <laughs> right. on the figures, right? <laughs> you know, plus it makes it easier to see. You know, you can see what's yeah. going on. Everybody can see what's going on. Yeah, instead so. of somebody asking, where am I at? <laughs> <laughs> right. Can you move me or, yeah. you know. <laughs> have you done anything I, I don't remember seeing a video about it but maybe like doing like a treasure chest or maybe like uh, an altar or something right I, I have had people ask me about stuff like this and um, I've had some um, 
people send me pictures that they've done, like cardboard furniture and stuff. Um, a lot of the uh, accoutrements of the room I use, like uh, chests and stuff, um, I actually use the Hearst Arts and, and cast them and then paint them up mm-hmm. as 3D objects. But there's nothing stopping you from doing you making out of cardboard. Um, I, like I say, I generally don't do that. But and I've had people ask about it, but I, but I usually do the the just do the cast stuff or buy it on eBay. Hmm. Yeah, because I was thinking about designing uh, maybe like a treasure chest and seeing how that works. I mean, it's gonna probably be a little bit of a pain to get it that right. small, but uh, it might be worth it. I tell you what would be good to do that with. Um, there's a, a a clay called Super Sculpty. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. Um, it it's oven baked clay. Basically, it's you put it in the oven for like two. It's at two seventy five, and it bakes for like fifteen minutes, and it becomes pretty hard. Um, that's that clay is great because you can continue to work it until you're done with it, and then you can put it in the oven and bake it. That'd be a great way to make little chests and little little um, uh, furniture and stuff like that. I have made wagon wheels actually out of it. Oh, really? Like I'll I'll cut a circular piece out. And then do a little bit of detail with woodwork and um, and that kind of thing. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I guess I guess the last question I can ask you is, um, well, one of the last ones is that the room with all the windows is that your basement or what? <laughs> the one you usually you're standing in front of in the beginning of the videos. I'm always curious where that room is. <laughs> um, that's actually a room at um, at my work that I do it in. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It it is pretty neat looking room. It has those glass block windows. Yeah, I was just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great backdrop. But yeah, that's what it is. Okay, so I guess I'll just end this by doing my usual surprise question of uh if you could be a household appliance, which one would you be and why would you be that one? <laughs> Let's see. Um I would be a toaster oven. Because I don't think anyone should eat should eat nuked food. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Scotty, thank you for joining me. Is there a direct uh, link so we can get to your videos, or you just uh, have uh, a search function mm-hmm. to get to you? How can we get to you on YouTube really quick? Oh, it'd be if you just type the DMs craft, you'll find me. Okay, and your forums. Even if you do it on uh, even if you do it on Google, you'll find me. Okay, and if your forums. How can we get to those? What's the address of that? I don't have the address in front of me, but if you go to my videos, the last three or four videos I've done have the address underneath the video. Okay. Well, hopefully in the future you'll get like a .com or something to redirect. Right. Yeah, I'm not at that point yet. but When you get yeah, enough hopefully. viewership, <laughs> when the thousands of people start pouring in for Steam Scotty videos. So. <laughs> I don't know about that, but, you know, <laughs> everybody is welcome, so... Well, thanks for joining me, and I hope you have a good night, Scotty. Hey, you take care. Nice talking to you. Typical of all the evil creatures in the world, we like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. Okay, we're here in table manners, and we're going to talk a little bit more about making this an artsy, craftsy type of show. Uh, Will's decided, DM Will, to join me for this segment. They're talking about painting minis. And, Will, you constantly paint minis all the time. Oh, yeah. So many times. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how many thousands of minis that I have that have yet to be, you know, painted. 
I know a couple people asked about uh, different uh, cheap bases for minis. There was a post on the forum by T-Man about that. Right. And uh, a lot of people said a penny or a washer. But what what is your suggestion for a homemade cheap base for a mini? Well, you know, to be honest with you, uh, there was a game that just came out um, by Mongoose Publishing called, and I, you saw the pictures of the uh, the ships on the from Starfleet battles. Um, yeah, it's called Starfleet: um, A Call to War. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, uh, the guy that owns the gaming store, I didn't like the bases. The bases, I don't think were were wide enough. They're circular bases for those minis. Now, understand, those minis are made of metal, and and these are uh, unusually heavy. Now, people are familiar with Flames of War or stuff like that where you're using World War II minis. They know where I'm coming from. But so what he did was with these plastic min, uh, the plastic bases, he didn't like them, and they were about as big as a uh, the dollar coin. Yeah. Everyone knows. uh, And I'm trying to think. Is that the dollar coin? No, what's the bigger one? It is a dollar coin, the real big one. The silver dollar, yeah. Yeah, the silver dollar, you know, that kind of base. And uh, so what he did was he went down and got washers and stuff like that. And, but that ended up being a pretty expensive because these washers are about two inches wide. Ooh, that's too big. Well, for these type of miniatures, you needed that. And, and to maintain, you know, you know... You know, keep them from falling down easily because these are big metal miniatures. Now, when we're talking about the 28-millimeter miniatures, and that's what the, the, the miniatures are pretty much, they, they're 28-millimeter to almost 30. And I, I hate to tell people this, but it looks like they're almost jumping to 32, which is sad because now it doesn't conform but to the uh, the regular standards for some of these games now. But, uh, I mean... The washers is a good idea. Pennies are too small. Now, pennies would be perfect if you're using the old lead minis from, from you know, back in the 80s. Yeah. And the 70s. Yeah, pennies, perfect. Or a quarter. A quarter would be awesome if, if, if you want to use quarters. But, I mean, you're just wasting money if you're using, you know, quarters and stuff like that. But it's, it's very difficult. But now I, I, I recommended them to say if you want a 100-round basis for 28 millimeters uh, there's a guy online on eBay selling 100 of them for $15 you can't beat that no yeah well I was thinking that he can use and this is really a cheap quick way is use Legos Legos will be good if you you get some of like the uh, you can go to the store and buy those random set boxes for like five six bucks yeah and just do a little uh, knife chopping on a couple of them and you can have some bases right there Oh, yeah, excellent. I mean, if you want to do wood, I mean, wood is, even, you know, just as good or corkboard. Yeah, but that's, good. that's getting, getting into buying a lot of things, so. Well, corkboard actually is really inexpensive. The thing is, though, you just need to get the, the drill. Now, see, I'm just assuming people have normal tools and everything. And if you have an electric drill, you know how they cut a hole into the wall with that drill thing, that drill yeah. bit? Uh-huh. Yeah, just use that and use that on corkboard, and there you go. You got another thing. It just depends. Well, I mean, if you, if now just understand, and, and this is my philosophy: if you buy cheap, you're going to get cheap. Yeah, true. If you if you if you don't, yeah, if you want to put whatever, however much you want to put into it, it's what you're going to get back. Yeah, that's right. And if if you want cheap, you're going to get cheap, and then guess what? You're going to have something that probably won't work that much. If you use the mini, there's a lot. Mini, there's a lot. That depends if you want square uh, square bases or round bases. I don't know what kind of bases people want these days. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. Oh, but like you, I said, go ahead. I was say you could take a, a page from uh, DM Scotty from the dungeon, the DM Crafter, and use cardboard. That way, you can color whatever you want. 
Yeah, I see. I have no problem with cardboard. Cardboard is an issue for me now because I'm finding out that it, it warps depending on how you're going to use it. Whether you glue it, you got to make sure that it's it's somehow that it's 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 uh, what do you call that stuff that you spray? Um, on material to keep it waterproof. I can't even think what it's called anymore. Seal uh, uh, sealant. Yeah, some type of sealant. There's a spray sealant you can use. Just make sure you spray seal cardboard because when cardboard gets damp. Yeah. Or there's humidity and all that. It will absorb it like a sponge. Then it'll start warping. The next thing you know, the midges are falling down. I wonder if you can use that clear coat sealant that they use for uh, painting minis. You can use that. Uh, you can use that. I see no reason why. But, I mean, personally, I think that's more more guided toward, toward miniatures with uh, acrylic paints that absorb some moisture. It just depends. You know, I've been doing this stuff so so long and everything. I just stick with the, the basics and everything. And, uh now, 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 like what I'm doing with the, the Hearst art molds, because I'm using bases on all of that stuff. Right. Yeah, I saw that. I use, uh, you have to put bases on, otherwise, you know, you're going to rub it down to nothing. It's almost like chalk, kind of hard chalk or something. But uh, yeah, I just go down there to the hobby store or something to see what they got there. And like I said, it's actually very inexpensive. Yeah, some people were asking, well, what's the best minis to use? Where can you get them? Well, I think right now they're probably... It's a little expensive, but I think they dropped the prices on the Warhammer minis, the Fantasy Warhammer minis. As a matter of fact, you are correct. They did drop the price. I noticed that not too long ago and everything. And as a matter of fact, uh, once I start getting paid and everything, I'm going to start getting more of them. Uh, you know, like uh, the Vampire Counts, for example. Yeah, those are cool looking. I mean, you know, when you... Okay, now, see, now you got Reaper. They have the Warlords set. If you get 11 zombies or 11 ghouls or 11 whatever, of those, that particular uh, format that they have there for that line of minis, you're, you're talking thirty nine ninety five. Yeah. For 11 minis. And I'm just saying, like, ain't no way. You can go to doggone to the, uh, uh, like you said, to Warhammer Fantasy, and I, I think yesterday I saw the box of zombies. I think there's either 12 or 18 in there for $25. Yeah, yeah, and you you paint them yourself, obviously. But same thing with the Reaper ones. The Reaper ones are all metal, though. They're that lead, I should say, lead. Uh, for the Warlord side of the house, yes. For the Warlord uh, line of minis, they're all metal, as far as I'm concerned. When I went there yesterday, they're all metal. Now, don't get me wrong. Now, that line of minis is very good. Solid. Gets you a lot of minis, but forty dollars is just just a lot of money for for you know, most people out there these days. Well, they do have. Uh, I've been to their warehouse uh, actually this weekend, past uh, playing in a game, and there were they do have other minis there that are really cheap that you could pick up too. So just look, browse through their catalog before making a final pick. I will tell you this, though, and this is the good thing I tell people. When they go to the stores, go through their line of Reaper miniatures, and I'm going to tell you why. Because there's no – I'm just telling you. Yesterday, I went to the, the gaming store yesterday and found a miniature for three ninety nine. Yeah. You will find out that a lot of these gaming stores that have Reaper miniatures and, and, and been stocking Reaper miniatures for the last, what, five, six, seven, eight years, you might find some of the older Reaper miniatures there, and they will still sell them for three ninety nine or two ninety nine or whatever. The one that I picked up yesterday actually is, is one that I haven't seen. Um, are you what? How do you pronounce that? That Panangolin? You, you, you know what that is, Vince? No. That is the uh, the vampire creature that's in the Monster Manual too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Fiend Folio. Uh, it's only female. Uh, at night, when she finds and she attacks female victims, she she, she will go for female victims only, uh, unless she's very desperate. Then she'll go for male. But uh, what happens is uh, at nighttime, her head detaches from her body. 
and, and the organs come with it. And then she flies around to her victim. Then she lays there, bites them, sucks the blood out of them or whatever. Her organs get, you know, big and fat and bloated because it's full of blood. Then she flies back to her body. Her organs slide in the hole and everything. And her head deta- uh, attaches back to the body. I found that miniature yesterday. And that was actually uh-huh. a very interesting miniature. Pena, oh, yes. P-N-A-N-G-G-A-L-A-N. Yeah. Pena, Pena, that's, I couldn't even pronounce that one. Yeah, I see Penangolin or whatever. That but, looks, uh, yeah, that looks like Penangolin, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, it's a very interesting creature. I got that yesterday, but the miniature is only of the head and the organs as it's flying. So it actually, and I got that for three ninety nine, and that was actually one of the newer ones. I was shocked to see it. That's cool. I know, I know Reaper, uh, since they do produce at the warehouse so many minis, they have uh, discounts on deformed or uh, slightly ruined minis that they mess up. Yes, yes. And I tell people, get them, because I, I learned that there's lots of people out there that actually modify their minis. That When I go to the game, I see them, I see them, they're cutting things off or they're adding things. And Reaper, and I like, I, I love Reaper. Great company. Uh, just totally, just awesome. But, you know, they provide the weapon packs and the adventure packs and everything. So if you don't like the sword they're carrying, cut it off and, and add a new sword to it or something. It's pretty neat. Well, I thought it was neat because they had a, a bunch of zombies there and, uh, like the arm was disformed or the leg wasn't formed right and I was like you know that'd be kind of cool it'd be a different type of zombie well, who cares it's a zombie what is it? doesn't need to look perfect yep no doubt I, I tell anyone I, with all the miniatures that I buy and, and what I, I you know run through and paint and everything yeah some of them have defects uh, for example in Battletech the, the, the introductory box set I, I will never be able to get a box with at least one one Battletech in there that's messed up. So, like, one of them, I can't think of the name of the mech right now, he has no arms. Huh. I just, you know, one of those things that happens, you know? Yeah. The quality control stinks. But guess what? I could still use that mech. They say, well, what happened to his arms? Oh, his arms are there. You just don't see them. You know? <laughs> just like the one-armed dwarf from the Undead Supplement, you know, from Rolades, you know? Yeah, it's, true. You don't see the other arm. Uh, so let's speaking of the minis now, painting the minis now. Uh, I know you're a big painter, like you said, yep. and uh, I'm not really that that great, but I've kind of dabbled into it a little bit. Well, I found that painting my minis when I first start, I usually paint them black. I don't know. Do you do that method? Okay, when I prime minis, I look at the mini, and what I do is I study the mini, and and this is what I think that that that, that most of the most of the artists that I speak to, most painters, I ask them what do they normally do. What I do is is that when I go to a store, I buy me a mini, right, and then when I bring it home, I look at it. Okay. I have to study it, and I say like, what do I want to do to this mini? What do I want to paint it? Depending on what it is, will dictate whether or not I prime it black, gray, or white. Okay, so. Give me an example. Say, like, we'll, we'll go back to the zombie. Say it's a zombie. A zombie, I will paint a neutral, uh, uh, the neutral gray. I will paint them gray. Gray. And the reasoning behind that? Because I'm curious. It's because of the flesh color that I'm going to put on there. And black will be too dark for the color of background. I think black would be too dark. And, I, you know, if I really want to do some inking or any of that other stuff, I'll just do that later on. But I'm going to use a gray on them because of the flesh color that I'm going to use. Now, you bring out black. Now, guess what I do with skeletons? With them, I paint black. Okay, because of the white you're going to put over the black. Yeah, well, actually, I use, well, yeah, bone color, a white, or a... Um, I'm trying to think what they call it now for Warhammer, what the paint, I can't think well, of the paint, it, but it's, it's called, it's, it, it's, it's bone, it's bone uh, yellow, a bone whatever, bone it's a bonish color, it's a yellowish, dirty looking color. Well, the kit that I have from, uh, 
the, the the Games Workshop mini kit to start you out painting. They have bone. They have bone white in it. So that's what it is. That's I guess it's called bone white, but that's what I use. Yeah, I, I look at the kit. It says bone white. And they give you like twelve different little mini paints and a bunch of brushes. Uh, a little thing to hold the mini figures while you paint it. It's pretty cool. And the black accents the in you know the the in between the bones and everything, and what I'll do is later on I'll post a couple pictures of how I, I've done skeletons over the years. But normally I will paint them black, and then I add the uh, the uh, the bone white to it. Uh, and when you talk about zombies, because they still have a lot of flesh on them, or uh, when you paint in humanoids or humans or and and, and uh, you know creatures that actually live in. I want them to have some type of flesh color, and that's why I usually normally paint them either a neutral gray or white. Now, if I'm painting humanoid creatures, I'm a human. Let's say human characters from like the the mid uh, the uh, desert or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'm gonna use. Uh, well, it just depends. Good. I mean, it just depends. Sometimes I'll dip. Mm-hmm. That's a technique a lot of people don't use: is dipping. Dipping straight out of the. Uh, well, there's there's a, there's a uh, they sell these cans. These cans go for about twenty dollars to thirty dollars a pop. Mm-hmm. After you paint them in, you're gonna dip them. Oh, they okay. Come out darker. It's a real thin, thin type of ink-like stuff. And you know, people say like, inks. Inks are very important. So are washes. Uh, you got to know when to dry brush. You have to, you know, all that stuff. You know. All right. Um... So we're painting the zombie here. You said you picked a uh, neutral gray, you said. Is that the actual color you could buy, or you mix that? Well, with, no, no, no. With primer, you want to spray it. Oh, spray it. Okay. Yeah, I get the, I get the, I get the spray can primer. And I'm going to tell people, do not go to a gaming store. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I got to tell my friend Chris. Sorry, Chris, but I, I got to do this. <laughs> to the gaming store and buy those $15, $16 cans of paint. That's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I don't care what anyone says. Go to Home Depot. Go to Walmart. You can buy a can of spray primer, white. Don't get gloss. Get the regular flat, flat white, flat black, flat gray. They cost two ninety nine, maybe a dollar ninety nine. Those are just as good as the primers from Warhammer, uh, from the uh, Flames of War people, and all that. You don't need to spend seventeen dollars on a can of primer. No. That's absolutely that's that's absolutely ridiculous. It is ridiculous to pay that amount. Now, and, and let me tell you about primer. And this is where people really mess up. Okay. You don't have to cover the entire miniature with primer. I mean, when my miniature, see, some people put them in a cardboard box. I don't do that. I get a piece of flat cardboard. I take it out there. Just make sure that it's elevated, and just go around it. You know, shh, 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 shh. That's it. You don't need to cover the entire... The entire thing does not have to be covered in primer. You don't have to do that. No, just as long as you get the 90% of it, I think, right? Pretty much. I mean, sometimes you'll miss underneath where the groin's at, you know, down on the bottoms, underneath the armpits, uh, insert, maybe un- the, underneath the chin, maybe. So it just depends on how the miniature looks. There's some places where the primer won't get, depending on the angle where you do the primer. But there's some people, just, they'll go, for like 15 seconds the entire thing is covered in primer and it's covered up you can't see nothing so basically just do a nice spritz around it and, and try to try to be thorough but don't be over thorough then yeah be careful on the primer yeah you don't have to do so much a can of primer lasts you six months to a year depending on how much you're painting wow yeah I mean it just varies it just varies it, but you don't have to put down 10,000 
Well, I think people were putting it inside of a box because it was they were doing it inside the house. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I tell people also about primer. Do not, you know, do it inside the house. The best place to do any type of priming is outside. Uh, weather has a big uh, indicator, uh, is a big factor in that because if it's real moist, humid outside, it's going to take the miniature longer to dry. So you definitely want to, uh, you know, prime a miniature in a dry area. Um, a little breezy, maybe. You might want to put a fan on it if you do it inside. I don't know. Just make sure the window's open because uh, primer is explosive. Well, yeah. And it is it is hazard, uh, hazardous to your health. Well, I remember a long time ago when I was painting minis with one of my friends, we used to go in his father's basement because uh, he had a whole workbench down there, and he painted minis himself. So we just stayed down in the basement and did it the whole time. Yeah, you can do that and everything. Just remember now, just like I said, uh, be careful and be safe because you're dealing with hazardous, you know, chemicals and materials. Right. And it's the same thing when you get miniatures and you're gluing them. Uh, if you use like Zip Kicker and the uh, the Zip Kicker glue, I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. No, not at all. Uh, when you get metal miniatures and uh, before you start painting, you might want to glue them together first before you start painting. I think that would be the logical thing to do. Yes. But the zip kicker glue is simply is, uh, let's say you, you're, you're uh, gluing an arm with a socket to the base of the mini where the socket joint is at or the ball, so, you know, where it's supposed to go. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna take the zip kicker, you're going to spritz it on that, that joint or wherever it's supposed to go, and then the glue goes on the arm of the socket, and then you put them together and hold it. Now, what that zip kicker does is it, um, there's a chemical... Um, reaction to it and it, it, it solidifies instantly you only do this with metal miniatures though if you do the plastic miniatures the uh, chemical reaction is, is hot enough that it, it will melt the uh, plastic so only do that with metal miniatures <laughs> All right, there's a tip metal miniatures only yes and, uh, and be careful with it this stuff is highly toxic it has to be in a place where it's well ventilated be very careful with zip kicker that stuff will knock you on the ground it will kill you so please be careful or there's some warnings for you. All right, so we got the mini. Let's let's go back to the mini. We got the mini primed, ready to go. Yes. How long do we wait for it to dry before we start painting? Oh, you could do that instantly. I say no more than 20, 30 minutes after you prime it. Some people say 15, 20. I ensure, I just say 30 minutes. But, you know, you could do it 10, 15 minutes after you prime it because primer dries very quickly, especially if the conditions are perfect. Dry weather, uh, you know, windy, breezy outside, you know, whatever, as long as it's completely dry. Okay. So we're painting our mini. Do you, what do you suggest doing an overall painting to start it, like the skin colors or? Yes, I always. I, yes, I always do that and everything. Bless uh, it depends on the mini though. Uh, it really depends on the mini. If there's a lot of skin, is there a lot of clothes? Is there hair and everything? So uh, yeah, what I normally do is if if, if I'm having, let's say a human fighter, I see his face, his neck, and his arms and his legs. I start with those first. I'm gonna just go ahead and put down the base coat first. And then, then I work on all the other stuff. Then from there on, armor and so on. Then I go back, and then do the second coating to the to the legs or, or to the skin areas and everything until I like you know the texture or the tone. Well, what do you suggest to wait for the second coating? Like an hour or so, or a couple hours? Now it depends on what kind of paints you're using and and, and uh, how long you left it on. Usually, if it, it depends on how much skin is there too and everything, sometimes it can be up to an hour. Again, it all depends on the 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 the, the weather factors in there. If it's really dry and every everything, you can probably just go ahead and do it after a thirty to forty five minutes. 
Mm. With larger miniatures, with really large miniatures and everything, it's usually longer than that. Well, let's use the Warhammer miniatures, for example. The, oh, uh, those are easy. Those are easy. Yeah. I can paint tons of those skeletons. Uh, uh, I have an undead, uh, well, undead, a Tomb King army, and I was doing the skeletal horsemen. Yeah. I, I can do that all in one day. I can do 24 horsemen with the skeletal steeds in one day. And you're talking applying one uh, with, with just the skeletons themselves because, one, I'm going to prime it. I'm going to prime it white. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to use bone white. Then I'm going to use a, uh, uh, just a little darker wash and put over the uh, skeletons. And that could be done all in one day. 24, yeah, skeleton. Yep, that's easy. Now, when you're holding your miniatures and painting them, do you have gloves on? Do you have like a little, uh, some people suggest using tweezer tools to hold on to it? No, no, I wouldn't even do that. You know, the best thing to do, is, especially since you're going to be picking up the miniature a lot and everything, and this is one thing that you really need also is a bright light. And I'm not talking about the light from the ceiling. You need to get one of those little uh, things that you can like connect to your, your table right? and has a high beam light, and you, you really will need that. And make sure it's, a, it's one of those uh, light bulbs that has that flat white instead of that that Yellow. real intense yeah. bright light in one little small area because you can't see too well in any of that. So that's important. But what I normally do is I get a soup can. It's really funny because I was eating soup today. <laughs> you take a soup can, you're going to turn it upside down. Right. So you're going to have the bottom of that. You can use a soup can or something similar. It doesn't make a difference. What I do is I get putty uh, uh, the size of a, a dime. Okay. You put the putty on top of the can and smash it into the bottom of the can so you'll have that putty there. You're going to take the base of the miniature uh-huh. and then press it into the putty. So now when you start turning it around and doing all the stuff, you're not actually touching the mini. You use the can. You're holding the can to lift it up to paint. Uh-huh. You see where I'm coming from? Using the soup can. That's is, what I yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, use the soup can. And then if you need to turn it, just rotate your hand holding the can and you can turn the mini. It's much more, it's, it's, it's easier. I know some people are holding the hand and, and, you know, if your hands shake, well, you're going to have a problem. But then again, it doesn't matter if, if your hands shake holding the can, it's still going to shake. So <laughs> it just, it just varies, you know. If you have a, if you leave it on the table and it's a high enough can, then you probably don't have to worry about picking it up too much. So. Not really, not at all. But the, the purpose of picking up the can and everything is to lift it up so you can get a good look at it and get it close to your face and everything. There'll be times where the miniature is drying and you want to start doing some other things to it while the paint is still wet. And that's really a rare occurrence with some people and everything. The paint on a miniature, when, when the paint on there is still drying because they're trying to put a mixture in there. I do that a lot with Battletech minis when I give them the camouflage look or something or if I'm mixing uh, blacks and whites for the uh, snow terrain because mm-hmm. I like that swirl and it just depends you know it could be a collage but it just it just depends cool and i think the last thing i wanted to ask you about this is the, the, what can you explain the dry brush or versus the wet brush technique oh that's easy and everything it simply is what it is uh, when i get a paintbrush and i want a dry brush and that's as a matter of fact i'm gonna do a small video of what a dry brushing technique looks like with those uh, hearst art molds that i do simply dry brushing is basically where you know you take a, a, a brush it's going to be dry. Now, it doesn't naturally have to be dry all the time. It can be wet, but what happens is it, it, it's a dry brush. You're going to take the, uh, the the brush, stick it in the paint. Now, it depends on how big of a brush it is. If you don't want a lot of paint, then just a dab. You're going to have a napkin to the side, and you're going to dab that brush a couple times on that napkin to get rid of that excess residue. 
but there's still going to be just a tiny trace of paint on there, and then you're just going to touch the miniature where you want to, where you dab it, you stab it, you uh, brush on it, or whatever, and that's what it means by dry brush. Normally, you're not using any water whatsoever on that dry brush. Okay. That's the purpose. The, you know, if, when I'm doing regular painting, well, what I do is uh, I'll, I'll put a drop of paint there, may I take my brush, I'm going to wet it up, you know, stick it in paint, swirl it around a little bit, you know, you know, wipe off the excess and then do that. It, it just depends. But usually dry brushing, the, the, the brush is dry, completely dry when you stick in the paint, unlike the other technique, just simply, you know, wet, wet brush or whatever. Right. Okay. So now we're say now we're done. We're finished with the painting and putting the details on and everything we needed to do. We're happy with it. Now, do we use a clear coat sealant or do you use any type of paint sealant or? Okay. Now this is where you you want the miniature to sit at least a good twenty four hours. Okay. You want it to make sure that it's completely bone dry before you do sealant. And you got to be very careful with sealant out there. There's, no, there's a number of them. I can't think of the one brand I use right now. I went down there. Uh, I will tell you that I am not impressed with Warhammer's paint sealant. I got one from Walmart. There was a clear coat one. Yeah, you know what? I think that one might be fine too as well. But before you do it, test it. If you're not sure of the product, test it on a... Uh, on, a, uh, on a test subject to see how it works. The problem I had with the Warhammer, the Games Workshop sealant was that for some reason when I painted it, uh, when I used that sealant on an acrylic painted miniature, uh, uh, let me use a Tomb King model for example, the paint actually um, lightened. It, uh, it became so light. I have no clue why it did that. It looked horrible. So that miniature had to be tossed. So I did not, I don't use that, that sealant anymore. But uh yeah, make sure, you know, it just depends on what kind of mini you use and whether you want the, the glossy sealant, the semi-glossy, or the dull color. Just be real careful on your choice. And when you spray that on, you don't need no heavy coat. However, after you go over it once, you might want to go over it a second time. Just mm-hmm. make sure that the first coat is completely dry before you do the second coat. Okay. And then after you put the uh, the sealant on, how long would you wait then? I will let it rest for about another day. And then you're okay to move it around and uh, display it and play war games with it. You got it. And, you know, another thing I want to add that while we're on, on miniatures and everything, put some terrain on there. Yeah. Yeah, use some scrub, use some meadows. There's a new meadows out. I like I, I like that terrain and everything. That's what I do with most of my minis. Put a little terrain there, rocks, dirt, or whatever that fits the the typical you know terrain for where you might find that creature, that humanoid or whatever. You know, actually looks pretty good. Now, what about uh, touching up? Because over time, you know, paint fades. Sometimes you get a little rough with the mini. You know, things like that. I'll be realistic about it. I, you know, I had miniatures. You know, that after you know a lot of them over the years, you know, the, the paint's going to chip. It's going to yeah. dry off. And it, now, depending on where the touch-up's at, it might have no impact on it unless someone's really, really looking at it and everything. I'll just be realistic about it. If a miniature gets really that messed up and, and it, like a big piece of paint falls off or it's, it's chipped, it's really nasty, touch-up paint could work. I know some people that are really good at touch-up paint and, and mixing in the very good. But let's say it's the face and the face is all smashed up and then you start applying it, it's probably very difficult to yeah. duplicate duplicate the same technique you use prior to the, uh, the, the the flesh tones, you might just have to just strip the whole thing down. Oh. That's very rare, though, unless it's a really beautiful miniature and everything. Uh, very rarely, but just, you know, touch up, nothing, it's no big deal. Yeah, because I know a lot of, t- I've been, I played a couple games and some of the minis were worn, and the guy's like, oh, it's from the oils on your hand. I have to just restrip it and repaint it. I thought that was a little much, but I guess that's what you have to do. 
Yeah, yeah. Just make sure you use some good stripper and everything. There's some good stuff out there. That's a pretty penny, though, about six to seven dollars a bottle. You know, uh, that spray can to strip it off. You know, and it strips it off instantly. And I prefer to use that because it strips off every bit of paint off there. Right. Hmm. I wonder if you could use Brasso for that. For what? For stripping the paint off of something. Oh, I don't know if you use Brasso. Brasso, uh, that polishes things, so I have no clue. Hmm. I heard uh, people use simple green. Some people like just to boil. You know, I heard people boiling the miniature in, in water. Well, that works, yeah. I think it would work. Because remember now, this is acrylic paints. These are water-soluble paints. So, but then, like I said, if you use stripper, stripper will no doubt in my mind. This, this stuff called clean strip, it's about $7 a can. That's what I use because it takes it out, and not, not in 15, 20 seconds, all the paint is gone. Yeah, I only suggested Brasso because when I did some painting of Legos a while back, I used Brasso to strip the paint off of them. Oh, okay. So I was wondering if it worked on the lead minis, too. It might. Oh, I would not know. Yeah. Um, lead minis are, uh, it's pretty interesting. Don't use enamel paint. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. You need to use enamel paint on models, like toy models, you know, ships and planes and oh, all that kind of stuff. And it was acrylic paint, right? Use acrylic, which is yeah. water-soluble. Now, some people use acrylic paints on their miniatures. Hey, go for it. If that's what you're doing and you're really good at it, I have no problem with it. But now, I don't like acrylic because once that paint is on, it's on. It ain't coming off unless you get some really good stripper. So what do you what do you want them to use then? Well, as far as what, to get it off or No, paint? what pa- types, type of paint do you want them to use? Use acrylics. Anything that's water-soluble. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, I, paint, uh, paints, I prefer Vallejo. Uh, Vallejo paints is really good. And uh, the Warhammer, uh, I'm sorry, not Warhammer, but uh, Games Workshop paints, they just released their whole new line. Their paints are just as good. Okay. Vallejo is superior in the fact that when you buy their bottle, their paint will last much longer because with the, and it has to do with the opening of the bottle. With the Vallejo paints, the opening is a pinhole, uh, pinhole openings for the paint to come out. What that means is that the paint inside the bottle is going to will have less access to open air, so uh, lessening the chances of drying. Whereas the opening of the bottles for Games Workshop paints is about as big as a dime. Yeah. So as painting, it has more access to air and it dries out much more. Oh, well, there you know. There you go. And the best place to buy the acrylic paints is definitely Walmart. Oh, you know what? Those acrylic paints are just as good, too. Those acrylic paints are just as good because that's what the Vallejo and the Games Works are. They're pretty much acrylic. They're water-soluble. Yeah. Yeah, those, those things only cost like a dollar. You know, they're about three sixty, three fifty for one bottle of either the, War, uh, uh, the Games Workshop or the Vallejo. But those acrylic paints at Walmart or at Michael's or those hobby stores, they're only like a dollar, dollar twenty-nine. Yeah, you can get them for even cheaper than that if you get them on sale. They're just as good. Those paints work just as well. Cool. All right, well, well thank you for helping us uh, uh, answer some questions from people in the audience about how to paint minis. Well, I could do more, but, you know, this is for the basics. Yeah, they just wanted some basic t- I know a couple people wrote in they wanted some basic tips how to do some painting of minis, so I figured, yeah, with the arts and crafts show, we'll, we'll put it in there. Now, I, I do recommend one other thing. What's Go that? to YouTube. YouTube has some awesome videos on there. Just look for basic painting things. Go to the Games Workshop site. They got some great uh, utilization tools that uh, help you do painting. Oh, yeah, definitely. There's a lot of how-to techniques on there as well. Oh, yes, definitely. All right, well, thank you for joining us uh, this week, Will. You're always with us every week, but anyway. 
<laughs> uh, keep it original, keep it old school. Good night, everybody. Bye. Roll for initiative.